On this very day, I am trying the greatest thing known to man, Heelys. Greatest thing known to man. Greatest thing known to man. Greatest thing known to man. Heelys, why walk when you can fly? Chris Mosier. And this is Monster of the Week, the creepy but necessary podcast that's covered every single episode of the TV show Supernatural. So now it's time for The Winchesters. And we're back with episode four. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I've uh I'm excited to be back in the in the supernatural chair. Uh it's we're gonna take a little break after this. The next episode doesn't come out. That's for two crazy weeks. that you use different chairs. I actually respect that. Oh yeah, a whole different building. Every time we <laughs> podcast about something different, I have to go to a different room. So uh but yeah, it's um it's exciting to be here. This is a this is a wild episode to me in some ways. Like it, the the fucking pendulum on between quality in this episode is crazy. <laughs> I was um yeah, I was really surprised to see them tackling the things that they're tackling in it. Um I mean, I guess we knew that they they certainly flirted with these ideas, but um they just went all in into into John's shit. And uh yeah, I was really taken aback by that. Before we get too far in this episode, um I want to issue just a general trigger warning slash content warning because uh, I've been I've been following. I was lucky enough that I, I got to watch this live with our Discord, um, mm. which was an experience I'd never watched. I've never done that. I've never watched Supernatural live before. I don't think ever. <laughs> like I just don't think it's ever happened. Um, and so since I watched it live, I was like kind of watching the monster of the week Twitter feed, uh, seeing people react to it, seeing the things that they were saying. And, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, the episode aired 48 hours ago. Uh, and in that 48 hours, I've seen a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about some of the the things they're doing with the character of John Winchester, specifically in this episode. Uh, and I just want to issue this as like a a general warning. We're we're like at some point in this episode, I'll be talking about like family trauma, (laughs) uh, like, just general i don't even know how to what i'm looking for here what the words i'm looking for here but just 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 have have a if you have concerns about or if any if any talk of family trauma or generational trauma or anything like that is is triggering to you just just be careful we're not chris and i i don't think either one of us are going to actively try to harm people listening to this podcast we're not those kind of people at all we're not going to surprise you with anything but i mean uh, i am a hater but i don't yeah (laughs) chris chris may hate your faith but he's not going to hate your face does that make sense right right, yeah i don't want you to feel bad i'm just a hater um but we are going to get i think especially me i don't know how chris we haven't actually talked but like i'm going to get into some shit during this episode and just seeing the reaction on twitter and seeing people discuss things and seeing like a lot of the negative reactions that i've seen and a lot of people being shitty and a lot of people being um 
not shitty i guess uh i just i just want to issue that in general before we get into this episode so i didn't um i wasn't aware of this so (laughs) i'm during this episode with trepidation now you know it's it's interesting we started monster of the week neither one of us paying attention to the fandom right like we for years we were just like i think at some point we're asking like what's shipping what's a heller like Mm, we've had mm. some real like basic conversations without and we've done we talked a lot about supernatural without engaging directly with the fandom and nowadays i feel like because i like this show so much i'm engaging with it directly because i was week to week and it's fun to do that with a group of people Mm -hmm. on the internet uh and i'm just seeing so much of it and i'm and i love the fact that i am bringing this energy to the to this podcast and you're like no idea jeremy i have no idea what the fuck (laughs) you're talking about i'm very worried (laughs) what are you about to say right now (laughs) i don't know i'm just i'm eager to learn uh let's get into it what's the, what's been happening on the winchesters chris that's a great that's such a good question mm. um it's such a good question that i think that it's really good for us to discuss yeah, here yeah. and mm-hmm. now and i think that the thing that we should discuss here and now is what's been happening you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. what do you think the dic- Starting- what do you think the webster's <laughs> dictionary definition of what's been happening is can you can you start there for me I think that what's been happening <laughs> is that Mary Winchester, along with some hunter friends, uh-huh. has teamed up with newly returned veteran John Winchester. Did I call her Mary Winchester? Her name's Mary Campbell. You, you did, and but I mean, people know. We're, we're, we'll forgive you. She's hunting for her father, who has gone missing in pursuit of a mysterious evil force called the Akrita, who are seemingly hellbent on destroying existence. Um we don't know anything else about them other than they're one of them is a radio DJ and um, a box can defeat them. Yes. Question mark. So Maybe. that's what's been happening. I feel like when it, when the box works. Yes. When uh, the box works. So we're going to discuss the Winchester season one, episode four masters of war written by Julia Cooperman directed by John Kretschmer. This aired on November 1st, 2022 fighters instinct after the details of a veteran's death. Don't add up. Carlos brings everyone in to investigate in to investigate and he shares a detail about his past that makes john see him in a new light mary finds mm-hmm. an unexpected ally who is not who's been hot on the trail of this monster and latica wow he wrote this did i write this this is terrible <laughs> did chris write this <laughs> yeah it sounds like it and Lada tries to help mary heal and find closure with someone she lost meanwhile john's habit of running headfirst into danger leaves millie worried for her son who is mary's unexpected ally huh uh, uh the Kyle? Kyle the guy the guy that she went to the movies with okay that's we, the, maybe I, I don't know him. I didn't really fully I didn't fully grasp what they were doing with him because he was investigating the case but then at the end they're like oh we can put you in touch with this journalist who's but I'm like what is he is he just like trying to help vets or is he a hunter yeah <laughs> like I, I'm confused um I, there's like, some parts of this episode that I genuinely adore and love and but there's also some like really questionable parts uh and it, we're gonna get to the first one in our cold open sure does uh, sound like an episode of supernatural sure does we start out at hannibal park hospital in st joseph missouri missouri uh where we see a man bursting into the hallway hallway yelling at the people in the room that he just left uh the lights begin flickering the hallway like turns into this weird like messy hallway i couldn't i couldn't see what quite yeah I um I don't know if this was intentional, but before I knew what the episode was about, this was totally Silent Hill to me. Okay. Um, it's like when they in the Silent Hill, I guess in the movie and and in the games, when they walk into the other world, everything basically just gets all messy. You'll be in a normal hospital, and then suddenly you're in a hospital that's filled with garbage, and the walls are rotting with rust. And 
uh, and then the siren starts. And of course, I know that it's like an air raid siren and it makes sense for the the flashbacks or whatever the environment that's being created for him. That totally lines up. But again, they play the that siren in Silent Hill and then he walks into the room and then the, the first thing that you always see of Pyramid Head is him dragging his uh, knife along mm-hmm. the ground mm-hmm. and then they introduce the villain by having been dragged the spear along the ground. I don't know if that was intentional, but uh, I did think it was, a, if it was intentional, I think it was cool that they did that. But um, yeah, he basically like starts to step into like an altered reality almost that, that he only he can see that's reminiscent of a war zone with, you know, again, the air raid sirens. And then he is either pulled or is kind of called into the side room or he runs into the side room to, to hide. And then he encounters this masked individual. This uh, Power Ranger villain, I think, is this the... This Power Ranger villain. He looks this... not super good. <laughs> not super um... good at all. This is terrible. <laughs> I, I I am just, like, floored because the last few episodes, <laughs> the creature design has actually been really good, right? Like, we've, I think we've been... Like, in the very first episode, we had a legit CGI monster. In the last mm-hmm. episode, we had a couple of critters running around that looked real good. Um, and this is literally just a guy in a, like, I think I've wrote it in the, in the discord chat. Like, is there, did we get this dude from legends of tomorrow? Like, is this just a, like a yeah. C-list Disney villain? Or he something? looks like he's wearing like, like a costume, like a, a spirit Halloween gladiator costume. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's the issue is because like with those Roman gladiator costumes, um, it's, I think it's kind of hard to maybe do that cheaply and have it still and have it not look cheap. <laughs> so yeah. I think they should have put him in something a little different. Give him a, give him a cape. You know what I mean? Cape would have helped. Him up. Cape would have helped. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, anything, I don't think nothing could have made it worse. So let me say that. <laughs> like, it's bad. True. Uh, True. This dude's holding a spear. And when um, the, the character uh, looks down, he's holding a spear as well. He says, who are you? And the Power Ranger villain says, destiny. Uh, and then he dies. There's a big splash of blood on the screen. Yeah. And then we skip to Dean and Mary, um, or no, sorry, Dean, huh? Dean. We skip to Dean, uh, Dean's narration, talking about how oh, yeah. fighting the battle against good and evil isn't easy, especially when you have to f- fight first fight, face the monster inside of you. Um, which is, I'm loving these little Dean narrations. These like mm-hmm. one or two sentence things that connect us to so, so, much. so <laughs> many things in Supernatural. Like it sets yeah. the, the tone yeah. and the themes for the episode in a lot of ways. And uh, dude, I just I can't. I need to see him in the show again. Like, where bring him back? Yeah. Why isn't he in the show? Yeah. I know why he's it's not in the show, but I just, it's I just need him. Yeah. I need him back. Uh, yeah, um, it's interesting. This episode is called Masters of War. I don't know if this is. A, the, I just immediately thought of the Bob Dylan song of the same title, which is obviously an anti-war song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was waiting for them to drop that throughout this episode. It doesn't happen though. <laughs> it can't afford Dylan, unfortunately. No, can't afford um, Dylan. They uh, all of the episodes have been um, named after songs so far. Obviously, I should know that. No, I mean, I, I think it's something like I read it online, and I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." Like I, I didn't get okay. it either. So don't, don't, don't feel bad. Like I do know that I do like that song, Pilot. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> great, big fan, big fan of Pilot. <laughs> you can easily find a hundred uh, songs called Pilot, so it oh still works. Oh my god, <laughs> fuck you, Chris, so much. <laughs> I was just, I was relaying a nice trivia fact that was actual trivia. You're gonna I fuck me that way. Fun of you. I was just... <laughs> They did the same thing with Supernatural. Oh Wendigo, God. the famous song. I'm done okay. with you. Done with you. Um, I'm sorry. John and Mary are sparring in the backyard. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, John is kind of reminiscing about uh, his similar practices in the war. Uh, Murphy, his old pal Murph, used to make a, a little joke about it. Uh, and Mary recognizes that, like, oh, this dude kind of needs to be, needs to let loose some steam. Um, so she she takes some gloves, she takes the gloves off. 
and is like, hey, if you need to get some stuff out, let's get it out right now. And she's like, and, he, and John looks at her, he's like, my dick? Is that, you mean my, my penis? He's yeah. like, no, 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 yeah. we need to fight. We need to fight in my backyard. Yeah. She's like, like, John, I know that most men of your generation are kind of fucked up and don't know how to deal with it because of society, but you seem especially fucked up and especially <laughs> unable to deal with it. So what, let's just punch. Let's just punch. Let's just punch one another until I tell you to take your dick out. Uh, but... They, and she she roundly kicks his ass like she he's trying to hit her mm-hmm. and it doesn't work she gets him on the ground twice um and gets him into an arm bar which is when uh best character of the show carlos arrives mm-hmm. asking if he's interrupting a heterosexual ritual uh and he has news um carlos by the way just absolutely my favorite character of the show about like a country yeah, fucking mile me, me too uh, outfits outfits are really out of control um which i don't usually go for 70s fashion but i just think that carlos genuinely looks super cool um they just it's, they got a great look for him. Yeah. Um Carlos and Lada uh have this little like debate about who's going to go first, which is very funny. Uh Carlos eventually spits it out. Um he has a vet friend who died mysteriously. Uh this is when it's revealed that um John is surprised that like Carlos has vet friends and Mary's like, "You don't you don't know?" And it's revealed that yeah. Carlos was in the Navy. Yeah, I liked um, this um this this fact, this this revelation because yeah. it just it adds a new um, you know, angle to to Carlos and it's I totally didn't expect it. So um and I and I like that it's a depiction of uh of a vet who's different than like the standard media, you know, um version of of what a veteran is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just thought that was that was a cool little detail that I, um, Not little detail. This is, in fact, a, a, a character trait. This is part of who he is. <laughs> a large part of his character, this tiny detail. Uh, uh, John is just a, a little bit surprised by this, uh, I think, as, as pretty much anybody watching the show might have been. Like, I, don't, I didn't really see this coming either. Um, and as they revealed more details about the case, uh, Patches was the victim. Um, sorry to our friend Patches for this mm-hmm. entire episode. This is going to get real weird for you. Um, Patches died mysteriously in a locked room. There were burn marks on the room, on the on the wall, um, and they're just ruling it a suicide. Um, and this is where Lada takes over because she's super excited because she thinks that this could be a Persian manticore. Uh, yeah. Mary's like, you know. I mean, that dude was like a 56-year-old like war veteran, so he could have been a virgin. This could be dragons. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. It's funny that they bring up dragons. I wouldn't think that the dragons would be a thing that was like widely uh, discussed as part of the HUD because supernaturally always treated every monster like it was the first time anyone had ever heard of it. Um, but of course not. No, of course not. Uh, John wants to jump right into the fight, and Barry's like, hey, let's let's just chill out. Let's go get some information first. Uh and the the group breaks up. Carlos is going to go get their outfits. And Mary checks in with John, who's like, I'm fine. This isn't hitting too close to home. I just need to go take a shower. And he does a, a very classic John move, which is to open up a random door thinking that it will automatically be a bathroom. <laughs> like, the yeah. confidence with which this man strolls through this door is very, like... <laughs> <laughs> I just also like, you're in your hometown. Just like go home and just shower. go home and take a shower. Why are you taking a shower? What clothes do you have here? What did you bring? <laughs> you fucking weirdo. Uh, but Mary uh, stops him. This is this is Maggie's old room, uh, which is uh, as Lada tells him a little bit after Mary is like scolds him. Uh, is has not been changed. Has not really been altered since she died. Since the uh, Samuels moved her in. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, yeah. Mary overhearing this is going to be a. Um... There's going to be a thing. Gonna, we're going to have to un- unpack this Maggie thing a little bit. I think it's been interesting. It is still sort of a mystery as to, as to who this character was exactly. Obviously, we know who she was, but like what she was to them. You know, is this going to be something more? Is it going to develop further? Are we going to ever see this character because it's supernatural and you never know? Yeah, exactly. 
but it's time to sneak in to see a body. Old classic bit right here. Um, yep. Just, just charming your way into a really classified area where the public should not be, but it's okay. We see John, uh, Mary, and Lada pushing a body bag into the hospital. They talk themselves past the, the nurse. They get down to the morgue. Uh, Carlos lost the rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Even though he supplied the outfits, he had to ride in the body bag. He's very upset about it. Um, they find Patch's body, pull it out, realize that the wounds are cauterized and clean, which rules out claws. Uh, and then it kind of stuff kind of fades in the background as John sees this cross laying next to Patch's. Uh, picks it up and he starts having uh, flashbacks. We saw this in the mm-hmm. first episode uh, in the car with Mary. Maybe the second episode. I forget now. There are there's only four, and I'm already blending them yeah, together. Uh, I, know. I know. But we've seen him kind of go through this before, and it's it's the same scene over and over again. It's his buddy Murph stepping on the landmine, um, blowing up, uh, and he kind of just freaks out. And they're almost caught when Patch's wife comes in to claim Patch's things. Yeah, and she sees the cross in John's hand too, and she's like, "Uh, is that his?" <laughs> and John just, you know, hands it over to her very seriously, and just, you know, "I'm sorry for your loss, or whatever, or thank you for your, his service, or something." Um, and then he he has to excuse himself, and we're he's gonna get pretty explosive in a minute. But for now, we stick with Mary as she talks to the widow, and she kind of fills Mary in a little bit about what happened with Patches. And says, you know, he got a fight with one of his doctors, with I guess with this therapist, the last day that he was alive. And he always had anger issues after the war, and you know, he wasn't really dealing with it very well. But she said that somebody else also actually came to her and asked these questions. Uh, and she hands over a business card for a reporter named Kyle Reed. And Mary recognizes the name. Yep. Uh, we switch to the bathroom. Because uh, John has left in the middle of this conversation, leaving Mary behind. Um John is looking at himself in the mirror. His hands are shaking. Uh, he's he's still having those flashbacks. Obviously struggling with PTSD. Um, during all of this, he like very briefly sees the Power Ranger villain behind him, and kind of whirls like yeah. thinking that he's seeing things. Um, and eventually, like he he loses control and he starts just hitting this paper towel dispenser in the bathroom, denting it and hurting his hand a little bit. And afterwards yeah. he looks down at his hands and his hands have stopped shaking after he expressed this violence. So the thing, the thing that, yeah, it helps him to stop freaking out is, is expressing violence, which is incredibly unhealthy, incredibly destructive. I was really critical of seeing Dean do this a lot in some later seasons of supernatural. And I wonder now if it's because I just didn't like seeing him do it i didn't want dean to be like that i didn't want him to like feel like that as weird as that sounds um but with john i just go okay all right like this makes sense to me for him mm-hmm. um and it's it's yeah it's really incredibly violent and dangerous and and concerning and the fact that he had to almost break his hand to get it to stop shaking tells us a lot about his mental state and this is where i started to be like holy shit they're really because there's no way that you can spin this i don't think we're you know john looks like a a good guy doing this but you go oh fuck that's not good this is he's not in a good place to be doing that yeah i think it's the the question of morality is really difficult here because all of our feelings about john um and when i say our i guess i'm really just talking about you and me chris and not everybody listening to this but because we've talked a lot on this podcast and I, i know i have specifically about John just completely failing his sons and uh, almost across the board. Um, and it's difficult to see moments like this and to judge him harshly for it because on the one hand, like you want to be empathic towards this character and say, well, like 
yeah, absolutely. Like, this is a young boy who should have never gone to war, who signed up illegally, who experienced horrible trauma, mm-hmm. who came home and has had no support from the military structure that was supposed to be there for him, that put him through this. Yeah. Um, and so now he's relying upon friends and family, of which he he has very few, and he's putting himself in these situations where they, they are very triggering for him. In a in a time of the world where nobody really understood what the term triggering and what that could actually mean, yeah, um, and yeah. like, and especially in the late seventies, like that that manly attitude was still very very prevalent. It's almost like he doesn't even know what he's dealing with. So how is he going to process it? You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. I don't want them to villainize PTSD, right? Like I don't want them to be like, well, he he's he went bad. He became a shitty person who hurt his sons because of PTSD, but. So they need to, you know, tread lightly with how how they handle this, how they portray this. But it is it is contextualizing John Winchester in a way that we have not been ever seen on screen before, right? Um and it's just it's just fascinating contextualization at least from my perspective to see him like this. Cuz I really as much as I was having fun with the first couple episodes, it was, you know, it was supernatural nostalgia. So again, just really surprised that they are are just diving head first into this side of John that I guess, you know, going into the show, we sort of thought that they were going to ignore, right? We were going to pretend like this is just some like slapstick fun um, romp on the CW. Yeah. Um, so to see that them, them facing it head on, whether or not they stick this landing down the road, will be, you know, interesting to see, but adding that context to John is, is really interesting. And it, and it almost makes it even more profound, the pain that it caused Sam and Dean with this context. Yeah, and I think in, in a lot of ways, uh, it, it may even make it worse, which is why I wanted to throw like yeah. a, a content warning at the beginning of the episode, because when you have people that are attached to Sam and Dean in the way that people in this fandom have become attached to Sam and Dean, and they 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 have a respect for those characters and the the stuff that Sam and Dean went through, like the literal generational trauma that they went through uh, throughout the course of Supernatural is fucking tragic. And you can kind of like laugh behind your hand and be like it's just a tv show and and yeah you could say that about literally anything like people get wrapped up with fictional characters and we care about them for a reason right like we are we're finding meaning in those characters and those characters come to have a lot of value to us and when we see stuff like this thing with john winchester i think the really really fine line that they're they're towing off i think i said this before is they're not excusing anything that john has done in the Mm -hmm. future like to me they are just laying all this foundation for him to become that person and Mm -hmm. if you if you literally like if they this show was canceled tomorrow there were no new episodes of the winchesters you could draw a clear line between this behavior and exactly what happened when mary died in the first episode and he went fucking awol he went crazy i yeah it's it's making what sam and dean dealt with that much more clear because i think you can talk around it and it almost seems like the show always wanted to you know bringing john back for episode 300 it just seems like they were very willing to ignore what the fandom had perceived right yeah, absolutely and that's why this it, really it, surprises like, me actually because i yeah. really when we covered episode 300 I, I really i kind of saw that as jensen like wanting to redeem john winchester in a way mm-hmm. and you and i talked a lot about how like that was mostly jeffrey dean morgan it wasn't even john winchester right it's like yeah we just like jeffrey dean morgan yeah and those guys are friends like and and that's so different when they started talking about like wanting to do this stuff with john before the show came out i was like well there's no way because i don't to be very honest like i did not trust jensen with the story like i just thought that he wasn't able going to be able to 
do to tell a story like this and to make this realistic and I, I'm very surprised that it has had like an emotional connection yeah. with me um, and this I wouldn't be surprised a, this if makes there's... me feel more sympathy for Sam and Dean than it does for John not that I'm not interested you know like I wish for this character to be able to have a have a strong arc where he can get to a good place but we know it's not going to end well we know no matter what happens no matter what we've seen on screen that things won't end well for this man and um, it makes you think like yo the best thing that he could have done was stay away from those kids right yeah um but that's like it's it's just it's it adds a layer of tragedy and now again even just since we started talking about this i am thinking about dean uh lashing out throwing a chair in the bunker and all that stuff and again i I started criticizing it because i was like this is we're dealing with this so much and maybe i just didn't have the right framing for it or wasn't in the right headspace to look at it in this way but now that's all i can think about and and these children who were impacted by the man here who 20 years before 10 years before whatever it is was unable to get the help that he needed yeah absolutely and i think that's why the the fandom as well as something else that's going to happen later in the episode but that's why we've seen the reaction that we've seen that i've seen on on like twitter and like various fandom places uh chris is just blissfully unaware of and does not know anything about um it's because of that it's because like they have no interest in seen any sort of empathy portrayed towards John Winchester. And I, and I, and I totally get that. Like we can, we can all treat fictional characters however we want to. And there's Mm -hmm. discussions to be had about whether or not like that you should do this. Right. Like to me, this is Jensen telling more stories in a universe that he obviously deeply, deeply cares for. And I know it's not just Jensen. I know it's Robbie Thompson. It's the whole cast and crew. I'm just, I'm using Jensen because Maybe he'll listen to the podcast and he'll call in. I don't know. I'm just yeah. Jensen if <laughs> you're out there. Um, yeah. I am surprised, even just through this conversation, the contextualization I'm finding for for the boys. and But I do understand why some people might just be 100% turned off by any of this John arc. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like they just don't want anything to do with it because he's a complicated character. Everybody brings their own baggage, their own interpretation when, when they interact with anything. You know, I didn't see John as a bad guy. I, I kind of saw him as a bad dad but like it took me a while to really fully connect with it because and i think i said this before i watched supernatural with my own dad mm-hmm. it was like a thing that we bonded over so it's like i didn't bring that baggage or and i didn't you know i didn't have that that same connection and it was only later really through listening to to a lot of feedback and then seeing john kind of recontextualized throughout in the later seasons of supernatural that i started to be like oh fuck yeah um also i was a teenager when i started so <laughs> forgive me <laughs> forgive me for my blindness but um yeah I, it, this is this has just been way more interesting i guess to talk about than i even really expected it there's also be. uh i, I want to bring this up too because this is another angle on it and again I just you know general content warning for you know parental stuff and and families and whatnot um but like i think that you could experience supernatural um and you could come out of the end of supernatural and be dealing with your own problems with your parents um like whatever whatever that situation is like whether it's abusive or abandonment issues or or whatever Mm -hmm. and then i think you could come to the winchesters and look at the winchesters and go like wait a minute like why are you why are you showing me the good sides like why why this feels the same way that maybe people told me i should just forgive my dad for abusing me right like i should just let him because he's my dad and like 
that's also a valid interpretation. I could see watching yeah, this you and don't getting... need to you don't need to contextualize your abuser. Yeah, right? yeah, and I could see people watching this and getting really, really mad because this is a universe that they they had this experience with. They have these connections to, and like as it expands, it's pulling away from that, and like that all of that is completely valid. Like I don't want to take mm-hmm. anything away from that, and I just think it's really like I, again we we talk a lot about how unique supernatural is, um, just because of how long it's gone on their direct mm-hmm. connection to all of the people that watch the show, the complete inability for the network to understand their audience <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Like it's such a unique thing that I, it's one of the very, very few shows that I think could have an episode like this and show something relatively standard in fiction, which is guy returns home from war with problems uh, yeah. and, and engendered this level of uh, conversation, right? Like it's mm-hmm. fascinating to me just as a, like a meta culture perspective thing that it's... it is it we'll, we'll get into this more as we go and we've really stalled out here but i feel like it's important to talk about um it is it, it you know raises this issue of you know even today in 2022 veterans still aren't necessarily getting the help that they needed right coming yeah. home i'm sure mm-hmm. it's better now than it was in the 70s um but there's still people still struggle so people come home and, and they don't know what to do with the, the feelings that they feel i i've known kids i call them kids they're adult men but people who who went to war came back and they're totally different people fucking right? i got um, two two really good friends of mine are just like yeah. that like came home completely different fucking people so i was in a, in a writing group in college and one of these my good friends ate lunch with them every day one day he went to take a nap before uh class or before our, our writing group and he was like all right if i'm not back in 30 minutes come wake me up this doesn't have a tragic ending don't worry i went i feel like i was building that up in a weird way and i went to go wake him up and when I did, the way that he shot up and the way that like he like got really aggressive for a half a second and I had never seen that before. And he was like, Yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm in therapy, like I'm working on that, but sorry about that. And I was like, I'm sorry that I woke you up like that. Um so, you know, it affects people, right? It, yeah. it affects mm-hmm. people. And and help is not always an option. Or help is sometimes it's hard to get. John, you, they talk about in this episode how you're not supposed to talk about these things. Even his mother, even his mother reinforces oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Like, Which oh, it's I not have... about what you say. It's about what you do. And you realize, like, man, his mom's fucking him up, too. Boy, I have opinions um, about that, too. Like, we're going to, like, yeah. you think we're stalling out now. Just wait. <laughs> and, I, and I wonder if this is... Somebody is extending a hand. Carlos is extending a hand. This doctor is extending. I understand the mistrust of the doctor, right? Because he's not used to that environment. And um, the episode doesn't frame the doctor in the best light because we get the like veteran's perspective. So you kind of distrust him, right? Um, but to have a friend reach out and a friend, Carlos, say, hey, I'm going to try to get help. You know, if you ever need me, I'm here for you. And I just feel like John is going to deny that. He says, yeah, yeah, okay, of course, at the end of the episode. But I just feel like he's being offered the help and he's still pushing it away. Yeah. And that's John Winchester. Um, so that, as much as it is still a hurdle he has to overcome to try and get help, to see him kind of push it away, you think like, well, he's still, he's making choices. He's still making choices. It isn't yep. all uh, you know out of his control, um, which is very, very interesting. Anyway. <laughs> so he leaves the bathroom. <laughs> he leaves the bathroom. He's like, sorry. She's like, why are you so sweaty? And he's like, you know why, Mary. You know why. Uh, he pretends Bad he's fine. breakfast, he says. Uh, he pretends he's fine. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Mary and Lada are going to go check out this reporter situation while John and Carlos are going to go undercover and patches therapy. Um, John goes to his, goes back home to pick up his uniform, tells her that, you know, it, uh, it's, it's really weird this relationship that he has is with his mother because it's not the typical like i've got to hide it from her he just like yeah we're chasing yeah, down a yeah. case uh and i and i have to get the the fancy suit on um and this is where he you know 
he tells her that they're going to undercover in therapy and she she makes the joke of like talk is cheap kiddo it's our actions that matter most um and again like just hammering home like <clears throat> the his his just like somebody should just let this boy talk to a to a guy for a while like just let him talk yeah. to somebody for a while and like this kind of stuff just really underlines it um we don't spend a lot of time on that though because carlos has arrived um and he's yeah. got his military suit on which is a sailor suit um and there's this moment where as he's walking up he gets checked out by both john winchester and millie winchester <laughs> did you catch this no, I did see some discussion of this in the in the Discord, but um, I yeah, no, I didn't notice because I was checking him out too, you know. Um, so I, even with my, I guess, yeah, go ahead. I, I just, I just, I, I didn't catch it the first time through. Uh, the second time because I, I watched it live, and I don't, I don't know how I missed it, but the the second time as I was taking notes. Uh, I know how I missed it. It's because my CW channel has like the resolution of a fucking <laughs> thumbnail. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, it's like 26p. Like it's, it gets up to like 26, 27p. <laughs> Nowhere near 720. Um, but yeah, uh, and and this like look and this potential for John being by or for people shipping John and Carlos and things like that, uh, I really think is... And I hate to say this, I'm not, I'm not making this a like a statement upon anything as far as what people create or write about or talk about or do or anything. I just think if they if they introduce this idea that John is queer at all, it, it makes everything else in Supernatural so much worse. And I feel like yeah. it's would be kind of a bad thing to be honest right. with you because the show the show wouldn't let it happen for dean they barely let it scrape by for castiel yeah um, and and there's so then be like well okay to make up for it we'll make that guy you hate exactly we'll and, and and like they i just i just yeah. and see it, okay i when i when i looked at it with i mean i didn't i guess i didn't totally notice it because i was just very impressed with with carlos's new look same uh with i maybe you know my my strike guy goggles that are that are blinding me to to subtext um i i just had i i guess i probably interpreted it as um john forgot his name for a second john doing a like a, a double take or just being like impressed with like oh he's in a uniform i've never seen him in anything like this before um now of course i understand that that the, you know the subtext is much deeper than that. not even really subtext it's just text just him checking him out yeah but I yeah mean, when i when i looked at it i just was him thinking he's checking him out in in the uniform um but I understand that that's not that's not going to be everybody's interpretation of it at all. Yeah, and it's um it's something that I kind of like don't want uh for this character at all. And I wonder if they think that they can just like they can play with that freely with John. We're like, well, he, we know he ends up with Mary, so like we can have him like be flirty with everybody because at the end of the day. But it's like you know that's just gonna you're just gonna create negative situations again. You know. Yeah. Um, the, the the problem with that I think is that uh, what do I want to say about this? They've they've obviously treated Carlos's character, um, who is a, a non-binary person within the context of the show, within the show, right? Um, but and also mm-hmm. in real life, um, and they they've thought that through. Like, there's interviews with people from the show saying these people exist in this timeline. We shouldn't say that they don't. Uh, yeah. And like, they've put a lot of thought into that. And to have like moments like this, uh, which. I'm I'm just like they know the audience like and they're playing to the audience in a lot of different ways with all of these connections with all of these parallels drawn between Mary and John and and Sam and Dean with the found family stuff with the fighting the monsters inside you stuff like they are so well aware of the meta around this show mm-hmm. that to do something like this 
it just feels real weird to me. <laughs> it, it feels a little less like um, doing justice to, to the characters or doing justice to your audience who um, have supported you and have been pointing these things out to you for a very long time. Is there's that is it like I see that they try to answer that with Carlos maybe. Um, but then there's also the pandering side, which is like, well, let's just have John Winchester be flirty, but then, okay, we're not actually going to go down that road again. Yeah. Um, which feels I don't know. even worse. Obviously um, I don't feel qualified to talk about it, but I, 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 I really don't either. Like I, I just kind of wanted to, cause it, it's been, cause as soon as Carlos walked out, like I put in the discord, like I'm ready to risk it all. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> like he is an extremely I mean, yeah, I mean, I did too, handsome a man in, in a uniform. I was like, Whoa, Carlos, yeah. where did you come from? Um, um and, and like and, and and you know maybe I maybe that is showing like some internal internalized misogyny of my own that I need to explore and et cetera et cetera et cetera like maybe there's some stuff right. there that right. I need I need to deal with but I don't know man uh, the thing that does happen which I think is actually very funny is that Millie flirts with Carlos um, yeah and if <laughs> and if Carlos bangs John's mom then uh, John is oh justified in doing everything that he ever did <laughs> in his entire life so oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Um, I think that they they need to they need to be very considerate of the way that they they handle these subjects. A hundred percent. Yeah, because they didn't nail it the first time. So Ooh. let's let's tread lightly. Yeah, and absolutely. Again, I'm I'm not the I'm not the right person to decide whether they nail it or not this time. But I think that they they need to be very considerate. Uh. They uh, there's some there's some witty banter of everybody uh, you know everybody loves a man in uniform and Carlos is like even other men if they start to blame the mother get, get out, out of there, get right? out of there. Uh, we all know it's the dad's fault it's like yeah yeah, well. yeah. Um, so John and Carlos they check into the psychiatric hospital uh, Carlos has to charm his way into uh, Doctor Z's uh, class which was Patch's class I don't know this guy's full name he's credited as Doctor Z so I just I call them Doctor Z I do believe they say his full name but I you know <laughs> but I think they I say him Z's once and nothing else uh, yeah um, they eventually they eventually get allowed in the classroom um, and then we go over to uh, Lada and Mary who. Um, probably my favorite duo so far like i like when lana mm-hmm. and mary hang out a whole lot uh they're, good. they're a good duo they hang out and uh they are on their way to see the reporter and uh they're talking about maggie uh mm-hmm. and if we didn't realize this before it's underlined now that like mary had this relationship with maggie but so did lada like lada was like yeah. i wish she was back here so she could help me through the act of getting over missing her like she could help me grieve this because that's what she was good at she was good at trying to find this light through the darkness kind of thing um and I just think that's really interesting. Like, I really want to know more about this Maggie character and how she fits yeah. in and everything. And it, and it realized, like, you know, okay, the world doesn't revolve around Mary and all of Mary's stuff, or Mary and John, right? Like, Lada is wrapped up in this as well. She was friends with her as well. Yes. Um, and I think, what did you say? You think that Maggie was Mary's cousin? I thought so. I thought that's what they had said. Yeah. I don't know if, I mean, as they we kind of reveal here, they weren't sisters, which is what I had suspected. And then you think, oh, wait, she lived with her? Were they sisters? But no, like she said, oh, yeah, my dad let her move in. So clearly, you know, friend, cousin, whatever it was, she wasn't just Mary's, you know, she, you know, she was a person of her own and had lots of different relationships. And it's it is good to see that reflected here and that throughout this episode, they bond over this, these two. So, um, yeah, it's I'm, I want to know more. This is interrupted when they run into uh, the reporter, Kyle, uh, obviously the guy from uh, Mary's date in the last episode. Um, Lada sees him and thinks he's immediately thinks he's super handsome and is very awkward in a very cute yeah. way. This is this is very good. Uh, Mary bums a dime from uh, Lada and goes to meet Kyle uh, because she had bummed a dime from him at the thing, which is, you know, very cute. Yeah. Uh, and then she kind of explains like, hey, Patches was a friend of the family. And your name came up, and I thought that was really weird. And we just wanted to make sure that you weren't like exploiting this story. Uh, and Kyle is like, "Yeah, no, I've been, I've been 
like a lot of vets have been dying like this recently all over the country. Like I'm, I'm chasing the story. That's what I'm doing in Lawrence. And I'm like, but the guy died in Missouri. <laughs> what are you doing in Lawrence, yeah. bro? What are you going to watch yeah. the Omega Man in Lawrence? I don't trust this dude at all, Chris. I think he's a bad guy. Something a little suspicious about this man. I don't really know what he's doing. And I guess we could interpret that um, our friend Mars, who we'll be introduced to in a little while, was going around to veterans trying to see if one of them was strong enough to get beefed up to fight the Akrita. Is that what this man's master plan was? Yeah, that um, seems that way. Yeah. Going from place to place. So I guess we can interpret it that way. But yeah, this guy's just... If they had done more with him, I wouldn't be suspicious. But the way that he's just sort of shown up twice like this, I don't know. At first I thought, oh, cool. They, they actually like tied it back to that. But now I wonder why did they tie it back to Mary randomly meeting this guy? Why was he at the movie theater? Was he tracking her? Like what, what's happening? Yeah. Here? What, what veterans have died? Did in, Samuel and... send her? I don't know. Who knows? But, uh... Who knows? Um, they, we, we, we go back over to Carlos and John uh, who arrive at their first session. Uh, Carlos says that John needs to make a distraction uh, so that he can sneak out and go look up the, the hospital records. And John's like, how am I going to do that? And Carlos is like, no worries. I will show you. Uh, and this is where John meets with uh, an older guy uh, about, by the name of Jimmy, who warns him not to eat mm-hmm. the donuts because they're a day old. Jimmy is completely unimpressed with uh, Dr. Z and this whole kind of like situation, this whole session thing. Yeah. Um, John, you know, makes the joke of like, talk is cheap, right? And this guy says, bet your ass, brother. Uh, yeah. and then, uh, we all sit down to talk, um, and Carlos volunteers with like the best hand raise that I've ever seen in my entire life where he lifts his <laughs> arm straight up and then rotates his wrist down and points back at himself. Uh, Carlos, I love you. <laughs> if they, if they kill Carlos on the show, I'm, I'm quitting the podcast. I just want people yeah. to know that. Like, it's not, I'm going to be so That's mad fine. about it. I will, I will That's end fine. podcasting. My headcanon, as I said in the discord is that Carlos is going to join Led Zeppelin. Just canonically, that's just we just decided there's a guy named Carlos of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yep. He's indeed's favorite band. That's that. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it immediately. I'm ready. Uh, Carlos starts telling um, his story about uh, his experience in the military, uh, and we learn a lot of the backstory. So he was arrested. Um, he was kind of a loner on his own, roaming the open roads in his van. He gets arrested, and the judge is like, either you're going to jail or you're going into the military. Uh, and so Carlos chose the military. Uh, and he was uh, he went to the Navy. Uh, he went straight to Vietnam. Uh, and he talks about this experience of uh, looking in the jungle and seeing what he thought were like blinking red Christmas lights uh, and then realizing that they were the cherries on cigarettes from the enemy soldiers that were watching them. Um, and how that was beautiful and, and terrifying uh, and how sometimes yeah. even today he still sees them. Uh, and he he ends this by saying that our circumstances circumstances might be different, but our trauma is the same. Uh, and like everybody is like, we did not expect this from you, my dude. Yeah, <laughs> the cool. audience is like, well, we did was, not know you were about to do heavy. this. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it was a very very evocative imagery too that he used. Um, yeah, I was really surprised by this. He, he takes the whole room back. You know, with yeah. that. It, nobody nobody was prepared for that whatsoever. Um, and then he goes, anyway, John's going to go next. I'm going to go take a breather. <laughs> and he just leaves John with no choice but to now open up about his thing. And John does not open up about his thing. What John does is state the facts of what happened, which is not opening up. He doesn't express how this made him feel or his feelings at the time. As far as I know, I didn't write down verbatim what he said. But he talks about, you know, our platoon went into the mountains. We were ambushed. My friend stepped on a landmine, died right in front of me. All I got was a scar. Like that's that's the most personal thing he says is getting saying that he got a scar, right? Everything else he says is very clinical. 
Um, not not necessarily detached, but he's not giving into this story the way that Carlos just did. And, you know, the doctor tries to get him to keep talking. He really does not want to do this. But we cut over to Carlos, who's breaking into the doctor's office, finding the files, Patches' files. Um, total HIPAA violation, but we know that John needs to buy him time, even if John doesn't know that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about when, when John is doing this, I think. Um, because when he's... When he's volunteered to do this, at first he like ma- he does this mannerism, where he's like, "Hey guys, no, I don't want to do this. I'm doing it like you can see me right now, Chris." So like, <laughs> so he like <laughs> as he's sitting in this chair, like he he puts his hands like forward at an angle, palms down, as if to be like, "Guys, I don't want to do this. Like like, calm down." Uh, and it's something that like I vividly associate with Sam. It would have never even said it out loud until I saw him do this. Like as soon as I saw him yeah. do that, I was like, "That is a Sam move." Um, I wonder if this dude uh, Drake has like studied their performances i know he watched Dude, supernatural absolutely has to and they have or, to be coaching him or doing are this. all tall guys the same no i think they're because there's a at the end of this episode there's a thing where he does like this weird nod that i swear if i wanted to spend the time finding i could find a gif of sam doing the exact same fucking nod like it has to be yeah. on purpose um, i bet no i bet and it, and it makes sense because i don't know i think dean always talked about how he tried to be like John and like, you know, he wore his jacket, he drove his car, but Dean was kind of somehow still his own individual. Like maybe he was putting on the show a little bit to try and impress his dad, but which is a whole other thing to unpack. But I think that Dean at the end of the day, Dean was unique, right? Dean was his own person. He was a huge nerd and like he liked, he had all these interests and hobbies and, but in so much of himself was devoted to taking care of Sam and, and which is not something that he got from John, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Sam and the weird relationship that he had with John and you kind of think like it don't, it would make sense for, for them to tell this new actor, Hey, act like Sam because Sam copied John. Sam was actually the one picking up on the, on the behaviors and the ticks and stuff like that. Because he was the one who was, I don't know. You know what, but do you get what I'm trying to say? No, I, 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 relationships here, were so different. Here's the thing. It's it's that it's the it's the thing when you have a volatile parent, uh, because when I was growing up, my mom was an alcoholic and we had like weird boyfriends in the house. It's that thing that happens with kids when they have to become hyper aware of their parents' moods mm-hmm. where they have to watch, they have to vividly pay attention to what their parent is going to do, whether they're going to explode or lash out or pass out or whatever the situation is. They are so hyper aware and, and <clears throat> motivated to watch their parent but f- because they have to be, because they have to like act as a early warning system, right? Like, And I'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. if I put myself in Sam's shoes, obviously Dean was trying to protect him from a lot of that as they grew up, right? But like, it right. didn't work. We know from the canon of Supernatural, like Sam and, and John got into it a lot. And I will, I'm willing to bet, like in just the natural way that things happen, Sam picked up on these on, on these mannerisms just naturally. Um, yeah. and, and again, we could be talking out of our asses on some of this stuff, but I really, again, it, it comes down to the detail of the show and how much they are leaning into our previous knowledge of everything. I don't think this show works by itself, to be honest with you. Like, I really don't. No, like, I, I, think, I don't think you, you can just pick up this unless you're just looking for a really like you just love watching cw and you're just looking for another random show to put on i think you like you have to have the knowledge of supernatural for this yeah i I do too um and and then the other stuff where he gets like again the talking about this stuff just gets him visibly shaking uh and and the the session person is like demanding that he continue right (laughs) like it's it's and it's kind of i'm like getting nervous watching it like i'm getting like bad juju from this i'm not like oh no somebody help him i'm like oh shit get away from him 
which is that's a bad sign you know like i'm a little scared of john because of what i know about him uh carlos in patch's file we see the first time a a a figure with a a horned mask is, is mentioned um yes the back at the session john is is like visibly shaking jimmy steps in and jimmy's like hey he's th- this is this is garbage we can't do this and uh the session is ended uh the doctor wants like jimmy to come to his office with him jimmy's like yeah like hell i will and storms out uh and he kind of throws away the sign like you couldn't help patches like how could you help this per- this kid uh and of course john like yeah. springs up and chases after jimmy and jimmy like disappears in a hallway uh, and then he's like sees a door close and he rushes over. Yeah, because this is this is why we always say this. We always say this. You can't wear heelys indoors <laughs> because before you know it, he rounds the hallway and then he went under those heelys and he was gone in a flash. Or he slipped down that hallway so buttery smooth that John had no chance of ever catching him. <laughs> or or you have to always wear heelys so you can catch up to your opponent. Yeah, that's right. That's right, dude. Oh, nothing dude. like. I kids when I was in school had them like in middle school uh-huh. and then when I got to college for some reason like these adult men were like we're gonna bring back Heelys so I'd be like walking to class and <laughs> suck so, like, around a corner and all of a sudden some dude comes sliding down in Heelys I'm like dude you're like 22 what are you doing what are you doing in Heelys I would <laughs> dude I'd, I'd, I'd I've never like they, those came out way after I was the ever the age to yeah, use them, and, and I, I have never been more jealous. If I was a kid and we had Heelys, I would be a fucking terror. Like I would love it, dude. Nothing was cooler at like middle school than we'd be on like the playground, whatever, like standing around, and some kid just like lazily gliding by you. Like, Fuck, that's cool. <laughs> Fuck, that kid is Fuck, cool. That's cool. <laughs> that looks so awesome. You don't even have to bring just a board. Effortless, effortlessly just gliding by oh, you. And man, just, like, where did he get that slice of it. pizza? It's not even lunchtime yet. This is morning dude, recess. Where did he get that swag? <laughs> where are you getting all that swag on recess, my dude? Uh, didn't have to do it to us like that anyway John can't catch up because he's not wearing he's, he's not wearing Heelys Jimmy is uh, but it does, the Heelys do not help Jimmy who winds up dead on the floor <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with like the stance that people do when they with wear the, Heelys the like, heel the up by, like in I'm front just picturing, oh. I'm just picturing Jimmy's feet as he as he storms out in the huff and then just goes into picture him, mode picture him in the, in the Power Ranger outfit <laughs> Like in the full, you know what I'm saying? Like how fucking hilarious to have this like horde Power Ranger villain like just gliding along a hospital path hallway. God, oh my God, bring him back. Let's get him. Bring um, him back. Bring them back. When John sees Jimmy on the, on the floor, he he starts uh, uh, having flashbacks again. He starts seeing yeah. his buddy Murph. He starts seeing uh, Patch's dead body. He starts seeing like all of his dead bodies. Like obviously, this is becoming a little overwhelming. Uh, and this is where we have, uh, I wish we, we need to come up with a term for this, like our, our monthly check-in or our, like our, our episodic check-in. Cause like they have to do a, like a phone call, like at a pay phone. And I just yeah. love that we do this in the seventies. Like I, I love that, like we, I love the limitations of this. Like they can't have the cell phone on speaker in the car as they're driving somewhere. Like it's just, so what did Mary do? Like she went to a pay phone and then was like, I'm going to dial the phone in the hospital and like. Well, I guess they plan this shit. They think about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you have to be like, okay, like, it, you know, between four and five, we're going to be at the clubhouse. You find a phone and call us. And then they, they do. So, and, you know, they tell Mary and Lotta what they found. Uh, John is freaking out a little bit. And we get, I think what I feel, feel like is foreshadowing where John is kind of like, I couldn't stop it. Like, I couldn't I couldn't catch up with, Jeannie, with, with Jimmy. And Mary's like, hey, John, take it easy. Like, he's calm, trying to calm him down a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Carlos describes the horned mask. John obviously recognizes it, but he doesn't say anything. They do know that it can't be Doctor Z because Doctor Z was in the room, wasn't in the room when uh, with with Jimmy. Um, so Mary says, "Hey, don't do anything. Uh, 
try to find out more information. Don't engage. We're going to go figure out what's, what's happening, what this monster is. Yeah. Um, yeah, more of a, I'm just, I'm kind of just, just stressing about John. Dude just can't stop shaking with rage. Yeah. It's not, it's intense. Um, but yeah, anyway, so is it this time, time to go to Maggie's room? Is that what we're dealing with? Uh, yeah. Lotta tells, uh, Mary that there's no, um, lore about, um, like mythical creatures because the men of letters were old white men. Uh, and so they, she's like, but I know somewhere else can, where we can get info. Uh, and then we switch over to John and once again, just like a rage monster. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I did skip a scene My bad. where he barges into Dr. Z's office, slams him against the wall and starts demanding information. Uh, and of course, Dr. Z's trying to talk him down. Carlos, I think is the, is the star of the scene because he's like looking at yeah. John in this way of like, uh Oh, <laughs> like yeah and it's not even like it's a it's a great mixture of fear of like this dude is is a little out of control uh and also like a recognition because i'm sure this dude has been around i'm sure carlos has been around a lot of hunters and has seen this kind of like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know edge of control behavior before uh and and just just great work from from carlos all around yeah it's like fear and pity you know um because he just he he can see he can see exactly what's happening yeah this poor doctor is like uh (laughs) i don't know what is happening um but yeah so john just storms off in a huff again and and this time he's wearing jimmy's heelys and um so he's able to slip right out of there like no problem and then carlos has to kind of just be like yeah sorry doc yeah uh carlos catches up with john and says like hey you know this is something that you should probably talk about in group and john's like you're not actually like believing any of this horse shit right and carlos is like yeah i am like i Never really thought about it before, but being able to talk about this stuff and made me feel better about it. Uh, and you can yeah. see once again, Car- Car- John is just like holding on, right? Like he, you could tell this is this is he's still just in this like anger zone. Um, and this is where we go back to Lotta and Mary, who are going into yes, Maggie's okay, room. So this is what I this yeah. is what I skipped ahead. I don't even know what happened in my notes. I might have deleted them. Uh, <laughs> they they reassure one another because they were both close with Maggie, and uh, they they go in. There's something about this scene and the thing with her phone call back home in the last episode that makes me think that she's gonna like be a bad guy somehow, and I'm gonna be really upset if that's the case. But I got bad vibes from Lana in this scene, not in any other scene in the episode, but her like. Interesting. Wait, can you please elaborate? I like. What do you mean? Because she she specifically like guides like she talks about Maggie to Mary. Um, she builds Mary up to like go into that room. Then she like immediately in the room goes to find like the book that has the information on the monster um and that could just be like you know tv show coincidence but it's also like forcing mary to deal with this stuff and to get it and like kind of forgetting about her dad during this whole thing too Mm. and i don't know like i just i just got this like tingle in the back of my head of like a a little spidey sense tinged of like she's is she up to something and i and i hope i'm wrong because i really like a lot i really want these four to be uh, I don't want the any, any of these four to be at odds with any of the other. How am I saying this? I don't want any one of these four to be at odds with the other three. Like I don't want any of them to yeah. go dark side. I don't want any of them to die. Like I want these these to be our protected plot armored group <laughs> for fifteen seasons yeah. in a movie. <laughs> so yeah, I do. I mean, even if she's not going dark side, I'll be curious to see if there is something. You know, if she does have a reason behind it, or if she's hiding some. You know, 
darkness to her. Not that she's going to be a bad guy, but maybe there is something going on about her that we don't know. Of course there is, you know, we do know that there's this thing with her parents where she's lying to everybody, but why, you know, what's the, what's the situation here? And I'm curious to find out what that is. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't want anybody to like become enemies or, or to, to kill each other or anything like that, but you know, they're going to get some juicy drama. You know, oh, that yeah. they, they can't resist. Um, we find, in Maggie's room, uh, a bunch of pictures of Donny Osmond. I didn't know who this was. Thank you, thank you, Discord, for telling me who this person was. I no Weirdly, clue. I did. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> we also find like a bunch of lore books. Uh, we find a box of postcards, and on every postcard are two bad things and one good thing. And Lada has talked about Maggie's ability to find lightness in the darkness, even in this kind of framework of how terrible hunting is. And they realize that with these postcards, that's what she was doing. Writing uh, the example, yeah. it was. Uh, I think, you know, Uncle Samuel, like, yelled at me. I missed the shot on the monster. Um, and I can't remember what the good thing is now. Like, you know, I got ice cream with Mary or something. Um, yeah, something like that. Kind of interesting. This I is got, I, Me and me and um, Mary just found out about these things called Heelys. <laughs> we'll follow up. <laughs> we'll follow up. My two bad thing. I fell down and embarrassed myself with Heelys. Uh, I tried to do a jump on Heelys and I failed. And then also I, could, I found out that I could do Heelys backwards. And now I'm very yeah. excited. Now I'm different. Lada finds a book under the bed about myths. She opens it up, goes right to the uh, page for Mars Neto. Uh, I really thought this said Neto, and I was really excited about a Dark Souls crossover, but uh, that's that's not what this is. Uh, this is like a God of War type dude. Um, he and he is a god, so like you know, the boys are chasing after something that they've never been in, they've never fought before, something way out of yeah, their league. This is, I mean, if this was supernatural, Sam would even be like, all right. How do we kill it? <laughs> no sweat. But I guess we're in an era where killing gods wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't commonplace. Well, even in season one of Supernatural, like you, you remember when they were like killing a demon was a big deal before they just had like yeah. they, everybody had an angel blade all of a sudden. So, yeah, you know, shortcuts, shortcuts. I think that the shortcut they should have taken was giving them heelys. Um, <laughs> seeing, seeing seven foot five Sam gliding down the hallways of hell in heelys. Come on. Perfect. Forget about it. Blast in the cold. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. Um, uh, okay, where are we at here? Carlos. Carlos yeah, Carlos. The hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlos also starts having the flashbacks. I guess he's just like taking a break. John's been a little bit intense all day. Carlos is like, give me five. I'm going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I can deal with like discussing my own trauma, but your vibes are really intense, You're- John, and I need a break. Um, and just as he seems to kind of like chill out for a second, lean against the wall. He starts having those weird flashbacks where we see the hallway changes and he's hearing the sounds of war in the background. Uh, and then the door behind him opens and he just gets like yanked in. Yeah. Uh, we switch over to John who is searching for him. Can't find anything but uh, empty rooms. He finally approaches the psych unit room uh, and goes in, flips the light switch on. And as he walks in, the room goes from a hospital room to, into a jungle. Um and then we skip to Mary and Lada, who are now in the car with Millie. Uh, and they had to grab Millie up to get Millie's, because uh, Millie is going to demand that she see her son. Uh, she's going to demand mm-hmm. that she's, she's going to be the one to get them access to the hospital. Uh, this is where we get a brief explanation of Neto's powers about using like the fog of war to trap warriors and to kill them. Uh, we also learn that he's immortal except for a vase that kind of serves as a totem. And if you destroy the vase, then you have the opportunity to kill Neto. Yeah. Um, that's a, like a, that's a fragile totem. It's like, a- I'm, if I have a totem that keeps me alive, it's going to yeah. be made of like, something uh, tough. Uh, and- 
imagine being like, "Hey guys, I'm the I'm the god of war. Uh, I need you not to use your heelys around my totem because my totem Please is don't, very fragile." Because if you bump the if you bump the dresser with your heelys while you're wearing your heelys, you're gonna break my totem and I'm gonna be vulnerable and die. I, uh, Mine would be made out of something masculine and cool like rawhide, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mine would be straight up. Uh, I don't know, buffalo leather. Maybe that's that's probably buffalo leather. no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, buffalo leather. That's those a... are those are two of the most masculine materials. I'd say followed short like quickly by steel and iron. Which is more masculine, iron or steel? Uh, uh, let's see, steel. I think you think steel, I... but well, I think iron because it's unrefined. <laughs> See, I was going steel because like more work has to go into it, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe oh, more true. Work has but to what's go, what's, be, what's what's more important? Uh, hard work uh-huh, or, uh, or or being um, unrefined, or just natural yeah. raw energy, or, or burping in public. I think is what you're asking. Uh, yeah, which is a better. <laughs> so I, the I guess of, of, of being a man. That's what I'm learning. Buffalo leather um, box, like a buffalo leather uh, covered steel box. With a cast iron top, how about that? Like we'll just yes. make. It'll be, yes. It's going to be eighty-seven thousand pounds, oh. and not a single. What's more masculine than all the elements? <laughs> all the elements that make up the universe: iron, yeah. steel. Wait, are you saying that he pees in his totem? Leather. Is that what you're saying? The totem is a is a uh, is a catch basin. It's just a basin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think that's what you call those. I don't remember the word I'm looking for. Oh. We need to get off this. Uh, yeah. Millie says uh, she, she's worried. Like you sent these boys in there to fight a god, uh, and they're like, "Hey, they're." Mary says they're trained soldiers, they're hunters. They will be able to hold this thing off for long enough for us to for to get there. And Millie says something that I find fascinating, uh, and I want to know if you picked up on this too. She says that John oh, yeah. John has been a fighter since he was four years old, and if you put an enemy in front of him, he's going to run right towards it no matter what. Uh, when did red flag? Huge, <laughs> huge red flag. Um, when did his dad leave? Do you know? Like when did like what part? I think it was it was implied that John was like young. Four. Okay, so this this makes sense. So um, because I, I I I had this thing in my head where I was like, well, if Henry was around, Henry's a man of letters. He wasn't a hunter. He would have like taught John the value of like patience and research. Um, so this, I'm very curious where like what was happening to John at four years old. But of course, if his dad left him, then like all of those like anger and abandonment issues are going to be like mm-hmm, right there. Mm-hmm. And of course, like as we have, as we know from every time we see John on the screen nowadays, like he's, he expresses emotion through anger. So yeah, I guess this all makes sense. Yeah. Rewatching the men of letters episode of supernatural where they meet Henry. It's gonna be a little different now. <laughs> I can't wait. I really can't. Uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I need to make a playlist of just the supernatural episodes that pertain to the Winchesters, but I think it's just going yeah. to be all of them. <laughs> like it's going to be just somebody get on the wiki, them. please do this. Um, <clears throat> John is searching the jungle for Carlos. Uh, eventually, they meet up. Carlos has been uh, kind of trapped in this maze-like jungle. They haven't been able to figure out to get out. He thinks that they have to confront the monster. Uh, and John's like, I'm not scared. Let's fucking fight. I'm ready. Uh, but before mm-hmm. he can even like stalk off in, in anger, Carlos steps on a mine. Uh, so he is, he has to remain still throughout this entire rest mm-hmm. of the episode until we fix this problem. No sweat. This is just going to um, jack John up even more, right? This is the specific thing from his PTSD. It isn't just a, a vague war thing. That could trigger him. This is the exact thing that happened to his friend right in front of him. Um, so now he's even in this this more heightened state than he was before. And then our our god shows up. Our Power Ranger villain shows up, and he takes off the mask, and we realize that he has Jimmy's face. 
So I guess Jimmy was never Jimmy. He was always a, um, he was always the god. Yeah, this no sweat. this god like pretending to be dead. Um, it even says like I can you know I can I can bleed. Uh, I may not be able to die, but I can bleed uh, and stuff like this. It's it's wild to me that I have so much to say about this episode in terms of like emotional work they're doing for John Winchester while a Power Ranger villain is just around. Yeah, uh, it's this guy is he's tough. He's a tough one to deal with. Um, and he says that even if they had like swapped him to like a like a more modern era military uniform or something to like fit thematically that would have been better but um no there's no getting around it yeah yeah it's just he's just a power ranger villain he's just a goofy power i fully expected somebody to do like a like a flying jump kick in this episode um but yeah so he says this entire thing all of this this was to prepare john for the akrita he's like i know you you're you're a hunter and you're a trained soldier. Like I could, I could sharpen you into a perfect, powerful weapon to be to fight against the Akrita. And John is like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what in um, the fuck?" And John is like, "Okay, fine. You know what? Like I'll go along with this, but you got to let Carlos go free first. And the God is like, "No, um, <laughs> that's if you not. Want that's that not how to happen. Works. You're gonna have to fight me. Draw first blood." Um, I think he does say the term first blood, which John does absolutely not draw. Yeah. yeah. John gets his ass beat. I don't know why that bothers me too, Chris, but he says first blood. And then like during the fight, we see John just ripped to fucking shreds and this dude just not bleeding Mm -hmm. at all. And I'm like, what did we, what does first blood mean? Like, what do we, (laughs) what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Uh, the ladies arrive, uh, to the psychiatric hospital. Uh, Millie, meets with Dr. Z and demands that he give her access to her son. She has to threaten him to expose the the psychiatric unit for all of the random deaths. During the middle of this, he learns that Jimmy's body has just straight up disappeared. And he's like, you know what? I fucking give it. Y'all, y'all go do whatever you yeah, want fuck to. It. You I know don't... what? I hope, I hope you're fucking happy. Here's, you know, here's the keys to my car, too. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck care. it. I'm out. I'm done with this. I'm just trying I'm to out. do a I'm nice done. thing. I'm and I'm, I'm fucking done with this. Everybody's yelling at me I'm all the time. Done. Everybody keeps yelling at me. I'm just trying to help these fucking vets deal with their shit. Nobody else is trying to help them. It's just me. It's just me out here. <laughs> <laughs> the vending sorry man my dogs are going fucking nuts for some reason same um these dogs are going nuts the uh so they go they go in they the only lead they have is that you know jimmy was the latest victim so let's go check out his room um which does feel yeah. a little tv show coincidental but whatever who cares yeah. uh yeah. it's time for neto and john to do a bunch of spear fighting uh, Neto does a cool little like spring flip off a tree, uh, which is very funny <laughs> wow. to me. Wow, very Power uh, Rangers. Very Power Rangers, yeah. Um, and we're cutting back and forth uh, from this fight to the girls in Jimmy's room trying to find the vase. Uh, John gets knocked down again, and Neto tells him, like, you're still holding back. The anger you have inside you, set it free. Uh, you have centuries of rage and violence in your blood, John. Become who you were born to be. Uh, and this really struck out to me, too, because... If the angels and supernatural were to be believed, like they tell Dean that they spent a lot of time arranging bloodlines so that John and Mary could be together and would produce Sam and Dean as to be vessels for Michael and Lucifer so that they could mm-hmm. set off the apocalypse because God had long abandoned them, right? And they were kind of bored running the universe. Uh, if all of that is true, <laughs> like assuming that that is true, like, uh-huh. and this God knows about it, it's really, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I can't even, I'm just like kind of fascinated with like the idea of this for some reason where like you have, you have centuries of violence and rage in your blood. Like, what do you, yeah. 
what? Well, that's certainly helpful for starting an apocalypse. Yeah. Um, are we going to get Winchester's I, 1886 <laughs> next year? Is that what's going to happen? Like, are we going to get... Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that Walker spinoff is actually a Supernatural prequel. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't want to... Don't make me watch the, any Walker stuff. The, the, please. I think Crowley's I in it. I don't care. <laughs> but dude has been in a lot of stuff I could watch that doesn't have I just to do keep with seeing, Walker. I just keep seeing Walker commercials when I watch this live. It's very interesting. Oh, I know. I, had, um, I got a bunch of those. I watched the first episode of Walker, and I I'll, probably will never, ever watch another episode again. Like, I was so put <laughs> off by that show, man. Anyway, yeah. um, go ahead. Uh, are they fighting? Oh, yeah, he's doing the whole dark side thing. You know, embrace mm-hmm. your darkness, embrace all that shit. Um and where was I? Oh, he heals in... uh, John's scars. He says, like, your oh, scars yeah, he are up, holding He heals back. up his wounds, right? Yeah, yeah which is really weird. Uh, and then uh, Mary finds the, the vase. She hands it to Lada, who's, like, really impressed with it. Uh, and, and Millie has this great moment where she just slams it down. It's like, we don't have time yeah. for we any of this stuff. This Let's go. We don't have time uh, for this shit. That, this is made of uh, rawhide. We're going to have to really do a number on this. <laughs> this is way Does anybody break scissors? Up. Scissors will work. Um, <laughs> How do you build, how do you break steel? I don't know. Yeah, uh, meanwhile, tough. John's uh, on the ground, and Neto is like, "It's time for you to get your new mask. Like this, this one's for you." And I, I really don't yeah. understand. I, I watched this episode twice. I watched it live, and then I watched it once, making notes. And I don't was the idea that this dude was going to recruit John to be like a god, a cult guy. Yeah, and I like don't know. Go around I don't know. He, was, he definitely wanted John on his team to fight back against the Akrita, but I don't really know. Why? why did he have to have a, a, a power ranger helmet thing? for it yeah like what is like maybe well, he's supposed t- to be five power rangers <laughs> we gotta we're gonna form the fucking avengers right now <laughs> yeah you know i've never i haven't watched like the actual like japanese version of the power rangers but I, you gotta have five of them in the, in the in the american one i can tell you that much yeah so. everyone has to be a different color um yeah once and they, that mask was a different color i think it was it was, it was <laughs> so. gold compared to black so john was uh, gonna be the yellow ranger you're just saying john <laughs> okay. john was gonna be the yellow ranger <laughs> um after Millie slams the vase down, uh, Dito's spear, who has been on fire this entire time, uh, isn't on, isn't on fire anymore. And when John picks up his spear, the spire, the spear becomes on fire again, which is Uh-oh. really confusing to me. So, like, did John have the opportunity to like take this dude's power? I don't know. Right? I think it's just, I, yeah, it's just the the rage and the violence is charging this thing up, and, and this guy no longer has his power, and suddenly John has all the power in this weird simulation that they're in. Welcome to the Jungle has been playing this whole time, because they're in the jungle. Uh, <laughs> I wish. And yeah, John, what, John doesn't even stab him with the spear tip. He snaps the spear in half and then stabs him with the jagged end of the of the pole. And when he does that, the um, light of, like, the fire of the spear goes out. Like, it's very specific yeah. that they did the visual effect, which is like, they're obviously trying to hammer something home, and I don't know what it is just yet. Like, why? I would yeah and, and it's i don't and i don't know man like it's supernatural so maybe i shouldn't read too much into it but i can't help myself <laughs> yeah. i have two weeks well, to then, think about it, this it, it goes it goes pretty extreme from here because he stabs him and then he proceeds to beat him to death with his own helmet in an extremely violent way yes uh nito manages to get out i was right you were just like me uh, and he just starts hammering this dude in the face. Um, yeah, you're ready for the war against the Akrita as he gets his skull caved in. This is very intense. And then, when which is again, it was a, you know, this is not unexpected considering how John has been this whole episode. But it it's very frightening, and I think that they don't try to portray it as like cool and badass, which they you know sometimes happens with these action scenes where you want to make the guy seem cool, so he does this over the top you know violent attack. 
But here you just are like, oh, shit, this is a lot. And then Carlos comes in. He's all excited because the the um, mine disappeared from underneath his foot. And then he sees John just soaked in blood. Yeah. And you can tell he is like, what the fuck, man? And then the illusion just starts to fade. And then they're standing there in the hospital room. And John is still soaked in blood. And he seems like, John seems dazed more than anything, right? Like, he just seems like he's yeah. out of it. Like, he, he this this huge burst of, of violence and rage came out. And he feels like, and again, I'm reading into this a little bit. But it seems like he feels just, like, weirdly empty on the inside afterwards. Because he's just kind of staring yeah. at Carlos, like, with hardly any emotion on his face um and then we skip ahead a little bit it's nighttime and uh john has changed clothes uh carlos has changed um they're they're both cleaned up they walk over john walks towards his mom carlos tells the girls um basically everything what happened and they were like why did he go after john like that and he's like i don't know i guess he found something in john uh and then and like emphatically says but he was wrong uh, trying to protect John from this mm-hmm. and in a really interesting fashion. Like I, I love the relationship they're building between John and Carlos of like them seeing John, Carlos seeing what is inside John a little bit. Yeah. They, they share an experience, you know, there is, there's something that only the two of them can relate to in this sense. And while maybe it isn't the best thing in the long run, I, I you can sort of appreciate that, that move for Carlos to like watch out for his friend be like, well, I'm not going to tell these, the rest of our friends that, and your mother <laughs> that you just had this big violent experience. Cause I, I know what you're going through and I, and I don't want you to feel like, you know, like you're being um, put on the, you know, stand here for it. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it is, it's interesting that he's, he's kind of has John's back in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dr. Z shows up and is like, oh boy, I, this, this is all of this is bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have no idea what, this, what is going on. But, uh, you know, hey, Carlos, you have the potential and, and for growth and healing. And I don't think you should stop seeing, seeing me. You should still come to therapy. Uh, we're going to make up for all of the stuff that we did. And Mary's like, you should do that. Here, this guy can help you. And, and hands him Kyle's business card, which, okay, it's fine. I'm still like very confused about what Kyle's approach is going to be. So I hope that just yeah, fits Yeah, maybe in we'll later. find out more in the next episode. I don't know. Uh, Lada asks Carlos how he is. And he's like, you know, about i'm actually pretty fine i'm just very shaken up and like i don't think i can sleep in the van tonight and i'm like carlos have you been sleeping in the van this entire time uh uh but mary is like hey why don't you come stay at the house i've even got an extra room and offers her uh offers him maggie's room and uh i haven't changed the sheets in uh over a year but yeah so you're gonna it's gonna be an experience better than a van still better (laughs) than a van because it has a door um yeah she says, I can't keep that door locked forever. So she's, this is obviously part of her uh, mm-hmm. letting go, healing, you know, mourning her friend, but letting go of the grief. Uh, Carlos is actually very excited about all of the Donny Osmond posters, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, and then before they all leave, Carlos stops John. And he, you know, hey, thanks for coming to save me. Cool. Thanks. If you ever want to talk, let me know. And I'm imagining this now because I can't remember the exact visuals of the scene, but there's a part of me that wonders like, would that almost make John angry? Cause John takes a second before he responds and says like, and then he smiles and he's like, yeah, thanks. I will. Um, to, I mean, I hope that I know that John's never going to open up, but I do hope that this has made them closer as friends. Um, 
for the relationship of the show for the dynamic on the screen but i do wonder like it almost seems like that could be the type of thing that would piss john off for him to like have to talk about it or something i can i can definitely see that um i want to just point out again that like during this scene when carlos like calls him uh john doesn't turn his full body towards him like he doesn't face him he just like yeah. kind of rotates to a, to a 90 degree angle and he's like nodding his head again i mentioned this earlier in the episode just like sam did in some episodes like huh. his whole demeanor is when sam is uncomfortable talking to somebody about something or, or having to talk to somebody about an uncomfortable topic um yeah. and you could tell he's just he's just pulling back the whole time and still trying to be like yep uh-huh okay yep thank you nope you're doing good nothing this has nothing to do with you just want to wrap it up so i can move on uh yep. and then music begins to play uh i didn't i forgot to write down the song um i don't think it's by donny osmond yeah. though i really thought it was <laughs> no <laughs> we get a uh we get a montage of of mary cleaning out maggie's room a little bit um we see carlos in therapy wearing an absolutely drop dead gorgeous outfit um we get a scene of lata and mary hanging out and they're writing their own postcards because they're so they're adapting maggie's coping mechanism because let's not forget that there are other people who are affected by other things right it's not mm-hmm. just john right um we see finally the last thing is that millie is going to get some takeout for them only to find you know where, where is john she goes into the bathroom and finds him fully clothed in the shower on his knees crying and she goes in there and hugs him and and they cry together, I guess, um, which is a very intense way to end the episode. It it is. It's it's shocking, really. Like, and I feel like this is an extremely emotional scene. Uh, I feel like it, it, the arc that, that they're doing with John Winchester is moving so fast um, that I. It's one of those. It's one of these situations where I see them doing stuff like this, and I, I have to believe. I want to believe that they're not trying to do a redemption arc for John Winchester because. Mm-hmm you can't redeem a character for shit that he's done, he's done in the future. Like we're never going to be able to get past that. Right. Like no matter what happens, um, I mean like, I, I really, 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 really strongly hope that they don't do mind wipes or alternate universes or anything like that. Like I would be really disappointed if the show goes that on that angle because of the character work they're doing. But like, yeah. you, you can't redeem John Winchester for the shit that he is going to do for Sam and Dean before he does it. Mm-hmm. So to have him like breaking down sobbing in episode four of thirteen episodes in this in this season is shocking and mind blowing to me. Like, they, they, what are they going to be doing? I've been positive. <laughs> yeah, even though I've been positive, I am I'm still continuing to be surprised at the, the what they're doing and how they're doing it, and didn't did not expect them to dive head first into this and to just put it out there right in front of us again. Let's not let's not redeem John. Let's just contextualize it. Let's just let us know the story um i wonder what will this add to to supernatural again it's it's it, as we already talked about it's given me context even now just for, for stuff that sam and dean have experienced um it helps me feel like i understand things about them that i even after years and years and years of watching talking about and loving the show things i still didn't quite pick up on my own and now suddenly seeing their father like this it all starts to kind of click into place and to to you know really illustrate what they dealt with and it's just fascinating and i hope that they can really toe the line with this and and get the tone correct and and steadily move forward and and explore this in a way that isn't redemption but is still good character work yeah absolutely and it's it's fascinating to watch this um when they announced the series 
they 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 mentioned that they were going to be dealing with John's PTSD, and I was and I and I rolled my eyes when I read that because I was like, oh yeah. well, it's a story that we've seen like a zillion times, and from TV shows to movies to art films, we've seen it done by directors that would never touch you know fucking TV shows on CW with a ten foot wooden pole. Um, so we've seen like brutal, honest stories of PTSD presented in a, in a way that is genuinely affecting. And I did not expect them to even get close to that level on this TV show. Uh, and the fact that they're actually doing it is very, very surprising. The fact that like they're giving us that that context for John Winchester and for him going off the rails in the future is really fascinating from a story perspective. Like it, when Jensen said at the very, very beginning of this out announcement, like one of the things he was excited about the most was dealing with the canon of the show and trying to fit this into the existing framework. At the time, I was like, oh, they've got to deal with like how does John know about hunting before, you know, before how does, you know, how do, how do you make all of this work with all of the crazy right. time? But I think right. really what he was talking about was this stuff was like, we're going to make this character fit to the context of the character in the future. Um, and I'm, I, I'm fully on board at this point. Like, I, I think this is, this is almost universally good as far as like from a TV show perspective, right? Like I'm just yeah. genuinely surprised that it's being handled this way at all. Like it, the moment that Millie sees him and like says nothing, just gets into the, 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 just holds him and just, you know, shares that grief with him, shares that trauma with them is, is mm-hmm. genuinely affecting. So. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Her, her doing something. It's not like she's a bit walking away and closing the door. Right. But she, we don't see her say anything and we got to wonder how this, this line about um, it's actions that matter, not words. How much is that going to, fuck john up yeah how much has it already fucked him up you know so very interesting we shall see how this unfolds yeah really super interesting i'm uh i'm looking forward to it uh just as a as a i guess as a, a heads up the next episode of this doesn't air for two weeks uh so don't expect monster of the week to come <laughs> come out in the meantime uh we're not going to be recording right. this until uh, a new episode arrives um and then I've got a weird family trip that I'm going to be having to take on. So uh, there could be a, a chance that, you know, if the show's coming out weekly, they haven't actually set the schedule yet, but um, we could be missing some episodes some weeks. We may not get them out like as quick as we have been. I'm very surprised we've managed to do two podcasts a week for four weeks in a row so far. So, hey, Chris, <laughs> what, are the, what are the chances? Pat yourself on the back, my friend, because, wow, yeah. uh, this is impressive. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we, we're, we're, we're doing our best. Thank you. The response to this has been great. We, uh, we, we really appreciate everybody listening uh, we really appreciate all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash monster of the week uh, what else Chris where are you at on Twitter my man where, where, we haven't done that I'm in at a while. local bones local on, bones on uh, Twitter on the on Twitter you, uh, you can find me at JG Greer um, and I guess to plug something I had something cool happened this yeah, week yeah you did uh, we have longtime listeners will know that uh, uh, I interviewed a a indie rapper named open mike eagle and went and got a chance to meet him at one of his concerts um didn't know what to do with my hands during the time so it was a whole thing uh but i got to interview him on a podcast about one of his albums the 2016 album hella personal film festival and uh you can go listen to that at mike's podcast it's not even my podcast chris it's very weird um yeah i yeah it's called Secret Skin. You can find it at all of the various places. If you go to my Twitter at JG Greer, I've been retweeting stuff. They've been putting up video clips, <laughs> which is really they weird. Have. Uh, yeah. I think the whole thing will eventually be on YouTube if you want to watch it, uh, which is terrifying. <laughs> and uh, I'll listen to the whole podcast. I have to say, you, you, you vibe much more naturally than you think you do. Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I've been 
Um, yeah. Little peek behind the curtain. I was. Ext- oh, it seemed totally natural. It seemed totally natural. I was very nervous and felt extremely out of my element. But talking about yeah. um, again, no stuff. hands on screen. I didn't see a single hand on screen, so I think that's what what's saved you. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of nervous drinking water. I did. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, but from I, the wrists up, you're totally normal guy. <laughs> totally normal dude. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Secret skin. Go. F- you know, you can find that on my Twitter at JG Greer. Uh, we'll be back next week with secrets uncovered. Ooh. Now for the whiplash of the outtakes. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Yo. Hello? (laughs) My word. I'm sorry that I am late, sir. Sorry. Right. Uh, I was just chopping it up in the Discord. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know I see, I'm looking through the channels and I'm like, "Wow, Chris posting. What's going on?" I get, it's- you know, I get keyed up like once a week and it's to talk to you. And then I came in here all ready to go, all jacked up. And then you weren't there, so I was like, "What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" <laughs> I gotta go into the chat. I gotta talk to yeah, the I chat. Talk. I gotta talk to someone. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, sorry I'm late. I was um, on the phone with my stepsister who was um, repeating racist comments from her father. Uh, oh, okay. But just letting them be as racist as, he, as it was when he said them. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So she, it wasn't first person, but it was still kind of like. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's stuff like, you know, he, and he asked me, you, you know, something, something, N-word, something, something. Except she didn't say N-word. And I know he didn't right. say N-word. They said the actual word with the hard R. And I'm like, can I please get off this phone call? Like, I don't yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to have any part of this. Um, it was actually, she called because her son, who I think is like 10, 11, or 12, uh, has been begging her for uh, a, a gaming PC, oh. um, and wants her to, wants to, and I'm like, and he's in the car with her uh, while she's saying all of the racist stuff. Ah. So whatever. Uh, that was at the very end. Most of this conversation was perfectly normal, but uh, uh-huh. he was like, "Yeah, um, I want to build them. I want to I want to learn how to build them. Like all my friends say that games run faster, and you can you can, you can do cooler stuff." And I'm like, "Oh, what kind of what kind of computer does your friend have?" And he's like, "An RGB computer." And I'm like, I don't think, I think that's a kind of lights, my friends. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think those that's are, red, green, blue. I think those are just lights, my dude. But okay, I see. I, but I could, you could picture like the streamer computer or whatever, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I, um, I was like, look, if this is something that you want to learn how to do, uh, get into it. Just know that you're going to spend a bunch of money doing it. You're probably going to break some stuff. Like you're going to have to learn how to fix it yourself because your mom is kind of a technology idiot. Uh, and you know, get after it, do it. I said, but if it's just something yeah. that you you know want to do because your friends are doing it, you should just go buy a computer for like seven hundred yeah. bucks from Alienware. Yeah, just buy or a computer yeah. or buy a PlayStation. Um, well, he has a PlayStation because uh, oh. as she said, I I like my stepsister, and I don't think anybody listens to this podcast is ever going to communicate this information to her. But uh, she was she called me last year around this time, like my son wants a PlayStation five. I cannot find a PlayStation five. Help me. And I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. Mm-hmm. And I follow, of course, Wario 64, everybody's Lord and savior of video game deals forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he posted, Hey, these game stops will have PS fives at this day in this morning at, you know, this time. Uh, and so I sent that to her. I'm like, Hey, there's one in the town that you live in. Um, you know, I would, I would show up over there. I would hang out. 
And she did. And she got it. Um, fast forward to Christmas. She sends me a video of him opening it. He loses his mind. Like classic Nintendo 64 yeah, kid yeah, kind of yeah. moment. Great stuff. She said no less than four times in the duration of this phone call how she stood outside in line for five hours in this pouring rain to get this PS5. Like, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it, look, hey, I'm sure it was an experience. Like nobody <laughs> likes to do that. But she, and I'm like, I'm just thinking about this kid's perspective of like, mom, I said thanks. <laughs> like what else do yeah. I, <laughs> what else do I need to do? Like, <laughs> Mom, I, I said I, thanks. I, I don't I'm know. sorry that you did that. Also, I'm happy that I've got the PS5. Uh, I, don't, I don't, but like, oh, that's funny. It's very amusing to me that people are like yeah. that about anything. So I keep so my my nephew just turned two two years old, and I still don't know how to interact with him. Um, and you know I love him, but we're we're at his birthday party, and it's you know just the family's there, or whatever. And he has cousins on um on my brother in law's side, and they had a little bouncy house for those kids to go play in. And like, you know, my nephew was running around in there a little bit, but again, he's two, so he's not doing a whole lot. Uh, for some reason, he ends up in my custody for a little while, and I'm on the fucking bouncy house throwing him around. <laughs> and everybody's like, Chris, stop. What are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm playing. I don't know how to re- interact with him. I talk to him like he's a, like a 14-year-old. I'm like, hey, man, what's good? You, um... You guys went on like Netflix or no, uh, Paw Patrol? You just watch Paw Patrol? Okay, that's cool. Because uh, well, I, you know, I just don't know how to interact. What do you and think about the Sam and everybody... parallels from the Winchesters <laughs> with yeah. John and Mary? <laughs> Says yeah. the two-year-old. I keep, I keep telling him, um, or t- not him. He doesn't listen to me. Uh, I keep telling the family, like, you know what? When he's old enough to want video games, like, I'll get him his first console. I'll get him a Switch or whatever. You know, whatever the hell he wants. And everybody's like, okay, Chris. Like, first of all, we don't even know if he's gonna like video games. Second of all, that's you know, he's he's two, so that does not help anybody right now. I, uh... like, this is all I have. This is all I have. I don't. Um, I don't do. Uh, I don't have a lot of interaction with my nephew, um, and he's six or seven. But I talked to my sister the other day. A different, not not the inward stepsister, but a different <laughs> sister altogether. Inward stepsister is a good description. Maybe I should make that the title of this episode. <laughs> I don't think you should. I don't think you should. Um, and she was telling me like, uh, this kid is not like my sister is. Um, I'm not gonna say she's nerdy, but she's like. She's not particularly outgoing, especially nowadays uh, that she's married and she has a kid. She's like, I want to stay at home. I was like, hey, do y'all want to come over for dinner one night? And she's like, mm, no, she goes, I don't really think you want me to come over for dinner. I'm like, I guess respect. not. I guess no, I, I guess respect, that. respect, I respect this that. game. Yeah. I, I, okay. <laughs> Let's meet for lunch one day and then immediately part ways. Um, yeah. But she was telling me that uh, he wanted to go to, if I've told you this before, please stop me. I can't remember if I was telling you this or Gary this at some point, but uh, she went. he wanted to go to a high school football game um so she like and he's like in first grade or whatever right so she she mm. she goes and his his school is k through 12 so it's a it's a full thing oh wow okay um so they go to this place and he like runs up and she says there was this like gaggle of kids that was screaming his name like come over here come over here. like most <laughs> popular boy in, in class uh. and like she stumbles up to like the mom groups and they're all like LSU hats up, like like straight up, like classic Southern, like you know, high school moms, which she doesn't fit yeah, into yeah. at all. And she's like, I just had to like just ghost him. <laughs> like I just went and stood somewhere <laughs> else, kind of out of the way, and listened to True Prime podcast until he was ready to go home because I was so uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Do, do I sound okay? Sorry to interrupt. Do I sound alright? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay, um, I, I just noticed there was a different light on my phone <laughs> okay. or not on my phone on my microphone lit up. Uh, I put it's back to normal now. But I don't know what just happened there. So I just I'm always terrified. Me and Autumn are not going to have kids, but uh, we always joked that if we have kids, they would be like social, like outgoing cheerleader. 
Yeah, I definitely jock. I would produce a jock for sure. I've yeah. got the frame for it, but not. But I have a fragile mentality. So. Yeah, and and they would be they Dude. would grow up and just naturally want to do the opposite stuff. So I'd be like, check out the Stephen King book, four year old, and they'd be like, yeah. no, Dad, yeah. <laughs> bring me more Madden memorabilia. And I'm like, why? It's always weird when I find out that somebody's like, oh yeah, me and my you know me and my dad used to do this together, and like you know I still love Star Wars, or whatever. I'm like, Dude, what? <laughs> What? Me and my dad fought tooth and nail. I love my dad. Me and my dad t- fought tooth and nail to have stuff in common. Like everything he tried, he was like, "Nah, this ain't working." I didn't know. He's not into any of this. I didn't grow up with my dad, so like uh, me and him really didn't start hanging out till I was like sixteen or seventeen. Um, and he was going through like at that point of his life, he was doing his first midlife crisis, I think. So like he was listening to alternative music. Like him and his uh, oh, cool, work cool. buddy like went to somewhere in texas and went to saw fuel i remember him coming back and be like fuel is awesome <laughs> i'm like okay cool i have that cd <laughs> um but we never like we don't really have like a lot of like overlapping interest we have a very similar personality um but i feel like if we weren't related we would not ever hang out ever is that if that makes <laughs> yeah, sense and that's yeah. not even like an um, insult or anything that's just like it's just it's the I, way I, of the world yeah yeah i just don't think that we would ever there'd be no need <laughs> Right, there'd be yeah. You would just not be chilling with this man who's significantly older than you. It just wouldn't, happen. Yeah, it just wouldn't um, be fun to, for me. Yeah, they they signed me up for every sport that there was, and um, everything. I mean, it was it was just whatever because for the most part, I was just like playing sports with my friends. And even though I didn't want to be there, it wasn't the end of the world because all my friends are here. So it's like it is what it is. You know, it's just like yeah, it was just my town's like little league or whatever. So I'd be running around there with my friends. But um, then in like fifth grade, they went to sign me up for football. And everybody was doing it. So I thought, okay, whatever. This will just be yet another experience where I play a sport with all my friends. Except that at age 10 or 11, I was already way bigger than everybody. So they, the like league or whatever was like, all right, you're going to go play with the 16 year olds. Oh, um, no. And at that point, my dad was so fucking mad. I remember that because they like made him pay money for it and then like get all the gear and like, all right, yeah, by the way, we're putting your 10 year old son with the 16 year olds. And they're like, what are you fucking kidding? <laughs> He's gonna die. He's ten. He's not good at this. He's absolutely and a nerd. Not good at He's this. just big. God, I don't remember who I was talking to. Um, I think it was my sewer guy who was telling me that his son had switched from um, uh, baseball to soccer, and the son is like, I don't, I don't know how old the kids are at all. Like, I never can understand anything about how old they are. But I think he was like ten or eleven, maybe. Um, so he's getting put with like the 10 or 11 year olds in soccer class, but he's never played soccer before. And he's mm. like, and dude, these other teams, they're doing plays. They're making fucking triangles out there. <laughs> like my kid has no shot at this. I, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. He's going to go out there and get his ass kicked and never want to do it again because he didn't come up as a, like nowadays, apparently if you, if you don't start when you're super young, it's, you just get like, you're just not going to get good at this yeah. stuff enough. And it's yeah. crazy to me. Like it's turned into that much of a competitive bullshit situation. It's a bummer, yeah, because it, it started off, well, I w- again, I just always wanted to go home and play video games, but I played basketball until I was a teenager, because at least that I could get away with long enough for being slightly tall, and then there'd be kids half my size going like quadruple my speed, dunking on me, even though I'm fucking four feet taller than them, and at that point I thought, nah, <laughs> this ain't for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this. Autumn played yeah. basketball uh, because she was tall. Uh, so they mm. put her on the basketball t- uh, team, um, not realizing that it, it's it's very funny to this day. If I like Autumn's like, hey, where's my keys? And I'm like, oh, they're right here. And I'll pick up the keys and I'll like toss them to her. She does the full like 
George Michael Bluth like turn her back to the keys and it just hits her in the back. Like she's not <laughs> uh, not coordinated at all uh, uh, whatsoever. Um, uh, I thought you were gonna say she's doing like full pivots, setting no, picks in the kitchen. No, like, not not really not in the least. Skills. No, has no is is not. Uh, and I love her to death, but she's not like super physically coordinated. Um, and so she just said she was just like, because it was it had to be miserable for everybody, like my teammates, yeah. the coach, <laughs> like they put me out there. And she was she went to a private school, so it's not like they're recruiting from a, a massive body of, of of student population or anything. So like she's yeah. you know one of the twenty people in the senior class. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, my sister, um, big hands had like state records in a bunch of like track stuff like she was like the ultra athlete she played soccer i think i don't know the other sister was the head of the cheerleading team for a little while uh and then there was me um who they they just sent me to the guidance counselor because they thought i was gonna <laughs> kill myself <laughs> Jesus, so. that's not true huh? you weren't that <laughs> depressed <laughs> they did somebody was like are we um we're a little concerned about you know be like i don't know i just talk that shit you know what i mean guidance counselor <laughs> just because i'm, talk listening, that to, shit. Just cause I'm listening to bright eyes doesn't mean i'm gonna kill I'm myself emo. leave me alone <laughs> um hey at least they tried um hey they reached out i think that's you know even if they yeah actually even if they were not wrong <laughs> if, excuse me even if they were wrong about it like at least they were trying so in a way like i was saying to my parents the other day like i almost felt sad for them because I, I feel like, you know, I was their only son and like, I think that they certainly didn't really have any expectations like this. But there is, you know, gendered expectations, right? Especially they were back in the 80s. And um, I failed all of them. I didn't do any of the things that they probably imagined that their son would do. Um, but at the same time, I got away with a lot of stuff because my sisters were so busy, so popular, doing so much all the time, either causing trouble or just having great successes. And then all I ever wanted to be like, Hey, can I get like a new PS2 game for my birthday? <laughs> yeah. And I, my life was just so much easier for them to deal with. So yeah, they, kind of, they were just like, all right, whatever you're going to your room. That's fine. They would spend $60 and you would disappear for 97,000 hours playing yeah, final fantasy yeah. eight. Like Dude, it was a so really I, I would get, I'd get one game like for a holiday and that was that was normal that was cool yeah. my mm-hmm. 16th birthday so right about the time that i'm about to actually have like my own money but for my 16th birthday for some reason i got shadow of the colossus resident evil 4 and uh katamari damacy oh my it was God. A, it was a huge that's a, that's a huge trifecta of a year dude yeah. did you get yeah. did you do that thing where you were like you were so because I've, I've had this situation before with um video games where like you get them as a present. Um, you don't have your own money, so like it's not like I'm you're buying video games all the time. Like you've got to make them work. But now that you have three in front of you, like you you like I'm gonna put Shadow of the Colossus on. I'm gonna play just a little bit of it. No, what about Resident Evil? I'm gonna put Resident yeah. Evil. So you don't yeah. like kind of mix and match it, or did you just like nope? I'm gonna play this one straight through, and then I'm gonna go to the other ones. I think I I think I played Resident Evil before. I think I stuck with that because no. No, there's no way. There's no way. I would have played Shadow of the Claws. I don't. Yeah, I must have done what you're describing because yeah, now I'm like, no, I definitely yeah. remember immediately becoming obsessed with all these. I had played Katamari before. I know that. I had rented that game. Um, that was always the best thing in the world. I would ride my bike to Blockbuster and go rent games for five bucks or whatever, dude. That was that was what it was all about for me. My um, I may have I may have told you this. I don't know why I keep repeating. I feel like I'm repeating every story I tell you today. Um, my uncle rented uh my cousin and me a Sega Genesis from the local video game store, not even the blockbuster. And like, 
I remember like he was like, cause I think they, they charged her credit card like $300 or something. And then they would just give uh-huh. it back when you bring the machine back. So it was like a, it was a huge deal that we had the Sega Genesis and we did like five or 10 games. And it was one of, I don't remember anything else we did that weekend. Like I yeah. literally no memory, but like we've had the best time of our lives, even though That's nowadays incredible. I look at Genesis stuff and I'm like, I don't like any of these games. Like none of that yeah. stuck but with me. But when you're a kid, it was just this world of wonder. I wanted an N64 so bad. I've definitely told you this before, but um, so my dad would do what you described. He, you, they would charge you like, hundred dollars or whatever it was on your credit card but you only have to pay like 10 bucks to rent it you know they would give mm-hmm. you the, the down payment back um or the deposit back um and he would he would get me an n64 he got it for me twice i think over the course of a couple months all my friends had an n64 so all i ever wanted was like to get one um finally like it's weeks and weeks and weeks of me being like dad can you get it for me can you get it for me and um like rent it meaning and for whatever reason, like the it just never went back to the blockbuster that he was getting it from. So finally, I remember that weekend they were like, "All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go get an N64. We'll go to the store." So I'm like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> victory!" Um, so we go. This you know, my, me and my sisters pack up into the car. We go to two places, and they didn't have an N64, but they had a PlayStation. And I think at the second place, we just stopped looking because my sister really wanted. The, play, the PS1. So that's what we went with. And at the time, I was devastated. I didn't know what a PS1 was. I was like, what is this strange... It makes a scary noise when you start it up. I don't understand. And I think it took maybe like four... It was literally, it was the next morning because everybody got to play it except for me because it was like by that point, we probably got home at like 8 o'clock on a Friday night. And it was bedtime for five-year-old Chris or however old I was. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I woke up the next morning, Saturday, super early. The house is silent because everybody's asleep. Um, and I, I go downstairs, pop in the, the demo disc that came with it and like radically altered the timeline of my life. Uh, totally. I was just <laughs> about to say this, 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 like if you'd become a Nintendo guy, we may yeah. have never met like the, the entire, right. like, like altitude of your life would have been totally different. You probably would not have done chop chain. I would have never known who you were. We wouldn't be I would have been podcast. like, I think I would have been even more annoying, but my mental health would have been better. Um, <laughs> I think it was it's the PS1 was, startup sound you're that blaming, I think is like you're blaming Sony for this. <laughs> you're going, yeah, no, I'm, I know I'm specifically you're blaming Mr. Blaming, Sony for your mental health in I'm, 2022. <laughs> I'm blaming the PS1 startup sound for. <laughs> I just think that that altered my brain <laughs> in a way that I've never recovered from. Because I hear it now. I've been playing Two Raider Three on my PS2, and when it does the the PS1 startup sound for it, I'm like. I'm shook. Even Tomb Raider itself, like I'm like I call, I joked and called it a horror game, and a lot of people say that, but it genuinely like it still kind of like spooks me out a little bit because there's something so like weird about all those levels and the way everything looks, and just so me looking at that when I was like six years old or whatever, that definitely got into my brain forever. Yeah, I, I yeah I Tomb Raider I played it on the PC for the first time if you can imagine that, and uh um the tiger stuff was terrifying. Like it was just. Mm-hmm. It was super fucking horrifying, my man. I've been dealing with that a lot because in Tomb Raider three, which is the first one that I owned, you can't uh, you can only save it like a certain number of times, and uh, you. What was I gonna say? Well, you can only save a certain number of times, but then I would think I just died constantly because yeah, I could never fucking figure out what to do. There's tigers everywhere, there's piranhas, so I must have spent like a solid forty five hours on the first level of that game, and I'm I'm back at it now. Like I've, over the last couple of days, I've been killed by those tigers. I've done everything, and I'm still I'm, I'm maybe five minutes of progression into this uh, into this level, and um <laughs> and I've put about three hours into it. So I have Good, solid uh, stuff all around. I have not played video games since Signalis. I keep downloading video games and not playing them. So, um. The the new God of War is coming out soon, I think. Yeah. When does that come out? Uh, it's got to be like next reviews week. Reviews came out today. I'm going to guess it comes out tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Unless Nove- it's next week. November 9th. So that's... I'll say next week. That's Wednesday? 
Really? That's a weird release date for that game. Because my birthday is Tuesday. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, you know what? The new Star Ocean came out, and that's not like anything that like would be like a big deal. But mm-hmm. that came out on a Thursday, which I thought was weird. Because forever it's been Tuesday. Tuesdays. I don't know why it was always Tuesday, but it was always Tuesday for everything. And now stuff has kind of shifted to Friday. Wednesday or Thursday, you, we can just do whatever we want now. Huh? I guess it's just free. I guess we're just free balling. There's no, there's no rules or regulation at all. We're, we can, can just do anything that we want to. Wow. What is the what is the Assassin's Creed motto? Everything is permitted. Nothing is nothing is something. I don't remember Assassin's Creed I don't know. that much. I played I five don't. of the games and don't remember anything about them. <laughs> you want to talk about the Winchesters? Let's do it. Thank you. 